Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for this fine Tuesday evening in Southern Texas. Of course, Seat Time presented to you by Fly Racing. We are the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. If you have blisters on your hands because you ride your dirt bike too much, we're very proud of you. Or calluses. Or calluses, and thank you for tuning in to Seat Time. Of course, Seat Time is brought to you by Fly Racing, the fine folks there in Boise, Idaho with WPS and their distributor. Dis- Distributorship, distribution, ability, distributorship. ability like to distribute, distributorship, distributorship. I like that word. They too. sell stuff. It may sound wrong, but we're going to say that it's correct. Okay. Um, of course, flyracing.com. You can purchase from their website. An interesting fact that we found out this past weekend while we were at the Lakewood National yep. talking with our fly folks is that when you do buy, so. A lot of the issues that's or people have issues with online purchasing because of the fact that they're like it doesn't support their local dealer, and that's why for a very long time Fly Racing did not do uh, online sales. So what they did is you go ahead and you purchase something from their website. They do a hundred mile search. Or- yeah, what they, what what I found out they do because I I made an order uh, just prior to the race, and what they do is they farm it out within a region for their dealers to fulfill. So they don't do the fulfillment there at the factory. What they do is they give their dealers a chance that within 100 miles of, of my zip code to fulfill the, the order. Then if that doesn't work, they send it further out, further out, further out. And only if nobody that's in their dealer network can fulfill the order do they go dig around in their warehouse and look for the item. Yeah, and I thought that was awesome because that's a great way, not only for people who want to buy, they're like, I want to buy Fly, they go search Fly, they find flyracing.com, and so they're on the website, and then opposed to them having to go somewhere else to purchase it, they can buy it right there. But then it supports also the local dealers in your area. So if, if you feel any kinship to your local dealer, definitely go down there, purchase it from them. But if you're online or on flyracing.com, definitely you can order it right there and know that it's at least going to come from one of your local dealers, even though it may not be the one that you travel to the most. And I'd experienced that once before with Giant Loop. Mm, okay. Now, when I ordered some things for the Baja Rally, yep. um, it was the, the same website and uh, the same fulfillment process. Okay. And what they did was they farmed it out to their dealers as well. So both Giant Loop and Fly are using the same engine, if you will, to fulfill orders that are then farmed out to their dealers. I like that idea. That's very cool. So I thought that was great. I wanted you guys to know about that. Of course, our fine folks over at at Kinda Tire USA, you can learn more about those guys at kindatire.com. We're going to be doing a little talking about tires this evening. Um one of our guests is going to be coming on to talk about Tough Like Roar, R-O-R-R. I mean, I want to say it's going to be like Katy Perry's Roar song. I don't know how else we'd pronounce it, but we'll go with that. So it's going to be interesting that we are going to have a tire conversation there about what they will and will not allow. But uh, if you're going to be doing events like the TKO, things like the Enduro Cross, definitely check out tires like the Equilibrium that they have out that are kind of that hybrid tire, a little bit gummier as well. So a chance for you guys to to learn, to compare. Check that out, kindatire.com. And Stillwell Performance, so stillwellperformance.com. 
If you ride off-road, you've ever thought about getting your suspension done, this is definitely the place to do it. Uh, even better, you can go to all of our playlists. We do have quite a few episodes where Alan Stillwell, Mr. Stillwell himself, mm-hmm. has been on the show. Very, very educated man when it comes to talking about suspension, even more specifically off-road. And then fine-tooth detail would be the 4CS and how much he's put into those. No need for huck valves or anything like that. This guy knows how to do it without any extra uh, necessities. Um, and he just brings it to it. So, of course, fly uh, uh, Seat Time. You can find us all over the Internet. So SeatTime.co is the website where we archive everything. Of course, that's also on iTunes and Stitcher for audio only. And YouTube is a great way to subscribe because not only do we put up episodes, obviously, that we live stream onto YouTube, but little videos that Stephen and I put together that are fun or maybe some things that we've worked out a couple deals with different people, find some fun products, talk about them. Those are also there as well. So let's see what else has been going on. Oh, my gosh. So we do have the chat room, tlk.io slash seat time is a good way for you to get in there. I noticed we've got a couple of our regulars here, which is cool and awesome. Even one guy who's uh, who's pretending to work in Australia. So love the fact that he tunes in because it's like 10 a.m. over there for those guys. And then seat time adventures. So adventures.seattime.co. If you've ever wanted to ride Colorado, have ridden Colorado and had a good time, or wanted to hang out with the seat time crew, any and all of those things can happen for you this weekend. No, you will be there. So you get to meet Papa Pierce. Steven does have a face. You'll be able to put a, a face to the beard um, and the, the very deep voice that barely comes out every now and again. He will be there as well, along with Jordan and her husband, Cooper. And in, if you're worried, we can always not call Cooper her husband. She's cute, sure, but she does have a husband. And then uh, we've got quite a few others that will be there as well and a couple riders that are ride signed too. in. Don't be don't be surprised if yeah. she don't be like I'm gonna get behind her. Get and over, her bend get over. over. No, she's gonna take off. So that'll be fun as well. Recent happenings. Oh. So we'll cover two that we didn't go to because we'll talk about them a little bit during the episode. So the ISTE qualifier in Idaho City, Idaho. Uh, this is an event that I did back in the past, I think 2012, with mm-hmm. Weth McKnight. Awesome, awesome event. It's gonna be good to talk to Joshua Knight a little bit later this evening. He did overall the event. Which is at nineteen years old. That's that's dang impressive considering how long and arduous and just mm-hmm. just it's such a tough event that that is. And then the OMA in Kentucky. So uh, round three of the OMA series. Stuart Baylor doing an amazing job. Uh, it's just insane that that guy can come back the way he has with his different injuries and still kind of get it plated, get it screwed, get it stapled or whatever it needs to do, and go back and ride and then heal up. So. The $6 million man. Right, I know. One day, that cat will not have any lives left one day. I hate to say it. We'll see. But the one thing I think that Dad and I are the most excited to chat about here for a little bit at the beginning of this episode is Thunder Valley, the outdoor national that we got a chance to go to. Now, obviously, we did start a little bit later this evening, so we don't have as much time to talk about it as we probably would have enjoyed. But that's okay. We're still going to hit all the fun high points. Somebody got caught in traffic. If we had a high point... For you, maybe three, if we were to put a cap on it, what would they be? Well, first would be the loss of Eli. You know, that, that's a high point? That, no, well, that's a, that, that's a so Does anybody else important. realize that the father of the guy on the show, he didn't listen? Like Okay, high points. His son Chupacabra. is here talking to him, Chupacabra. asking him questions, and he just ignores Chupacabra. You were, that was a high point for you? Oh, watching Baggins. Blake Baggins. Yeah, yeah, Blake Baggins. <laughs> And and guys, if you if you think that I'm my Hobbit reference doesn't make sense, go back and look at the film after his interview. To make the hat fit on his head, they had to put his ears inside of it. 
Uh, but that's what the cool kids do these days. That's what the cool kids do? That, hey. Hey, well, the hat wouldn't have fit. But I tell you what, he's starting to ride the motorcycle instead of the motorcycle ride him. Yep. Uh, but that, and, and the way he was riding that Suzuki was so smooth. The wheels were staying in contact with the ground. I mean, it would, that was that was a high point. Of course, Dungey winning, I always think, is a high point. Yeah. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> I think I think a high point for me was uh, was our VIP setup. And, and I don't say oh. that to kind of be uh, to try to be presumptuous or anything like that. I mean, Fly Racing does not have to offer us that. That is there. Mm. Yes, they're the sponsor of this show. But that there's none of that junk in the contract. They are just awesome dudes. A couple of the guys that we know that we interact with on a regular basis were going to be at that event. You know, they know that you and I have always wanted to be there. We just they wanted all of us to hang out, so they were nice enough to offer offer us up a couple VIP passes, and that was that was just epic. Uh, yeah, it I, was. I it was honestly leaps and bounds better than what I expected. I'd never been in a VIP situation at a national motocross, so I didn't know what that meant, and it was it was fantastic. So huge thanks to Fly Racing, to mm. Dale Spangler, to for that, and then of course huge thanks as well to Andrew Campo and all that they've done with Meta. We did get a chance to go to the app to the kind of release party for uh, the third release of Meta, and man, we're gonna we're gonna have some pictures here that we'll be able to put up a little bit later when yeah. we talk about the Meta party. But absolutely if, epic. If, if just imagine the original movie on any Sunday, a magazine version of it. That's what Meta is. It's it's just fabulous the way they the way they take a theme and just go throughout the book and they've got various people various things they highlight things i mean it's just like the original on any sunday but a publication not a movie i was really impressed most of the bikes in there have suspension i guess that's the other difference for my well and the time lapse of pastrana doing a flip and a loop and a whatever else he was doing at the same time stuff that we're not was amazing well we've done we've Except We've for done it by flip. accident, yeah. Yeah, if we do it, we we didn't plan it. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, I, I will have to say, absolute lowest low point was watching Eli Tomac yeah. uh, eat eat shit. Um, but the good news, well, yeah, separated I mean, it, shoulder. It sounds like it's just a separated shoulder now, see, or dislocated see shoulder, see, whatever. See the bump but right there. He's going to have one of those. Yeah. So it sounds like no surgery. It sounds like he's going to do his best to, to be able to ride this weekend. Um, he does. He's obviously riding like a bat out of hell. He had a great points lead. He Now it's not all that great. He's just like three points behind Dungey. So, I mean, even if he were to go out and ride around and try to just get top 20, like to salvage a handful of points, cool. But honestly, the way he was riding, it may just be smarter to just take another week off and come back stronger and be able to come in at 100% opposed to come out at like 60% and just try to salvage points. Well, I believe they have two more races and then the break. Right. So, um, you know, when I had my separated shoulder, I did it at the Colorado 500 on day one. Okay. Okay, by day five, I was ready to ride again. Now, not race. We're not talking racing here. But I think with proper handling and medication and, and proper therapy he can get, um, he could be able to get some points next week. He really could. I don't think he's going to be able to ride hard. I think it's going to be kind of like Roxon was when he first came back, you know, just trying to preserve the next two weeks, uh, get into the off week, and then come back after the off week and uh, chase Dungey for the championship. But the blessed thing, because that accident looked horrible. 
It was just a separated shoulder. I mean, every painter that okay. falls off a ladder has a separated shoulder. And all the fun stuff is obviously this is a, 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 apparently somebody in the chat room saying an article just came out in Cycle News that it was a 100% tear of the rotator cuff oh. of one and, and dislocation and then a tear in the other. So let's click on it. Cycle News That's literally just came out rest of the a season. couple hours ago. Yep. Eli was understandable. It turns out that Eli Tomek suffered at Lakewood was far more serious than first thought. The team recently revealed that he actually injured both his soldiers in the fall. Blah, 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 said Tomek's left shoulder suffered a 100% tear of the rotator cuff requiring immediate surgery. His right shoulder, which was dislocated in the crash and later put back into place by the Ashok medical team, will most likely need surgery as well. Eli was understandably upset when he was talking a little while ago. Obviously, after the start he'd had, we were all hoping for a championship run. Injuries are an unfortunate part of the sport, and this one is very tough for all of us. So, yep, there you go. That definitely sucks. So, whatever we just said is completely null and void. We'll probably stop talking soon. Uh, we'll just kill the, kill the live I've show. I've had 100% tear. Uh, yeah, well, he had 100% tear, and we were 100% wrong. One day we're going to check sources. That's what I get for checking the Internet before I get in a car. Yep, I know. Things change in the last hour and a half. I'm just glad that we have guys out there Thanks. that are going to keep us honest. Here's to them. Cheers, guys. Oh, God. So, came out 15 minutes before you went live, so I guess it's fresh news. Thanks, Kudla. Love you, buddy. No, seriously, and great job this past weekend, Mr. Kudla. Appreciate all that you do for us and keeping us on track. So, that sucks. So, what we're going to do now, though is while we talk just a hair bit more about what we did this past weekend, we're going to go ahead and get our first guest lined up. We're going to have uh, Matt on from R-O-R-R, RAR. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Tough Like RAR, which is a new kind of hard enduro coming up on the Northeast. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, so, yeah, this was an how epic about, weekend. About you, you didn't hear my third, third, high third highlight. Jeremy Martin. Jeremy, uh, impressive? Oh, where was that kid during the Supercross season? Is he one of those people that's just not a Supercross rider? I don't know. but If it was me, I would just say I'm scared of big, tall jumps. 120-foot triples or whatever, yeah. but he was, he was impressive. He, he just, you know, the thing that I can't help but think about is a slot car. He was just honest, driving a slot car. Yep. He was in the same slot going around. Every time there was this really nasty section right in front of where we were, he was in the same groove, and it was smooth every time. Everybody else was hopping around, trying to go on the inside or going way outside and sliding around like Dungy. And he had this three-quarters of the way outside groove that was just a slot car. Yeah. And, and it he was, was smooth. It was one of those things that it was, in that first moto, it wasn't even until halfway through the moto that people picked up on it. That right. he was in that line the whole time, right. going through there, and they were, and it was the same thing with Eli. Eli Tomac used that exact same yes. rut, the first moto, and Roxon and Dungey both were kind of like either going way too far to the outside or way too far to the inside, and completely missing this awesome line that mm -hmm. Jeremy Martin and Eli Tomac, who were obviously dominating at that event, but that's what we see with Jeremy Martin getting a start because oh. before the, he's done, and obviously done really really well, but. He, this time he was one of the first guys right off the gate, and, and nobody the, had anything The bike started. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. Yay. And yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. He took, he took the lead right from the beginning, and nobody had anything for him. Well, let's just see if we can get him to come to a hard enduro. 
and see how he would do. What do you think, Matt? How do you think Jeremy Martin would handle uh, the tough like Rar? Uh, I think it'd be all right. Yeah. So yeah. How do, before we get into it, how the hell would I pronounce it? Rar? Like? <laughs> it's it's just roar. It's Reading Off Road Riders. Riding Reading Reading. Yes. Nice. I like it. Okay. Well, we can make this work. So you think Jeremy Martin would stand a chance? Um. His legs might not be long enough. That's true. I have found out after too many enduro crosses, the one thing I always forgot to do or don't have enough money to buy an extra seat for is to cut off at least like half the foam. So that way I can be mm. half inch less tall or half inch taller. or just, You know what I mean? I'm a half inch closer to the ground because <laughs> I need that to like get my little heel, Flintstone feet on. High heel boots. That's just awkward. Whatever, whatever Jenner. Ooh, Ooh. get out of here. I'm just kidding. Everybody's choice is their choice. Do what you want to do, kids. Um, So we have to ask, how is your evening going besides, uh, you know, being on seat time? It's going fantastic. I was really looking forward to coming on tonight. Nice. You're just jealous because it's not a Thursday night show, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, (laughs) don't worry. We'll talk to your wife. We'll see if we can get you on. Um, So tell us a little bit about this event. I have a couple questions, but let's let you hit some of the high-level stuff, and then we'll kind of dig in there and find out a little bit more. Well, Tough Like Roar for us at Roar is um, something we've been looking forward to trying for many years. Uh, We're a club that loves putting on events, and we always end up being one of the harder runs of the year in our Enduro and Hair Scramble. We're actually the first uh, Enduro for the East Coast Enduro Association season, which happened uh, two weeks ago. Okay. So right now our efforts are truly focused on our hair scramble, which is two weeks before Tough Like Roar, and Tough Like Roar, which is actually at the same location as our hair scramble. All right. So you guys are all over on the Northeast doing all kinds of cool stuff. And did you say how long you guys have been around? Probably like in the the multiple Early years. 70s. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Probably 40-something years. Sounds familiar from places that we've, uh, yep. we've been a part of. Um, so you guys are now wanting to put on a hard enduro. What – and it's something that sounds like you guys have been thinking about for a long time. So what kind of – what did you guys want to pick from? Why did you choose the format that you chose? And we'll get into the format here in a little bit. But, like, why did you choose to make it this way opposed to, you know, maybe what some other people have done or just a, an outright copy of some of this other stuff like that? Why did you guys go the route you have gone? Well, we have uh, – where we're, where the race is located at, it has basically two separate kind of loops we're going for. Um, the loop I'm responsible for, it's – it's more, uh, I would say it's more flowing um, as opposed to uh, the other loop, which I think is more rocky. Um, but the format-wise, we kind of thought along the lines of a little bit of TKO, but to throw in a little bit of our own variation. Um, this way, everybody gets their fair share of riding, uh, two races Saturday, two races Sunday if you qualify. So it just mixes it up real good, and there's going to be a decent amount of spectating, and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Half the half the stuff that never gets off the ground is because people just don't pull the trigger and make it happen. Mm. So glad to see that you guys are doing that. I think more of these events coming up in the in, in America is awesome because we know watching what people click on the most is the is the hard enduro footage that comes out of, of different places around the world. So I think having more of that in the states. Romania is probably the winner. Yeah, and that's this weekend is Erzberg, yeah. so it's definitely going to be cool to watch that. Highlights, unfortunately, will be at X Games, but we'll catch all that as it happens. So this format here, you're going to have kind of the amateur stuff on Saturday that will then allow 
riders, it, or obviously if they qualify to make it into the events on Sunday, kind of in that TKO, that knockout kind of format? Well, the way it works is we're not giving the pros a break either. Okay. The pros have to race both races on Saturday, just like the amateurs. And the way it's going to work is um, your, the first race, you're, you're going to line up based on the way. It's going to be all the riders in your class lined up, just like a hair scramble kind of would be. And you're going to go in the top half of each class, with the exception of the pros. Uh, so the top half of 45 plus A, B, and C will um, advance to Sunday based on their times combined from first the first and second race on Saturday. Okay. And then, so it, the two races that you guys are going to have on Saturday, I noticed you said one was probably a little bit more speed, one was a little bit rockier. So they're like, what, like four and a half miles, I think I was reading on your flyer, per each? Yeah, they're about four four plus miles. Okay. Um, basically, we have um, certain parts we have picked out where we're going to add in extra stuff for uh, – from uh, my, my my half is actually going to be the first I believe the first race on Saturday, so uh, for the Sunday's event I'm going to be adding some more difficult parts in some extra hill climbs some extra rock gardens. Um, the one there's a one spot that I'm really excited to see how it turns out. Uh, we're riding on the back side of this ridge, which uh, it's on basically there's a cliff on the one side. It's a, we call it the swimming hole. It's a really big pond up there, and it's kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. And it's just bony and rocky, and it's pretty sweet. It ends up coming out to this this peak point towards the end, and you can just see like all the land laid out underneath you towards the finish line. It's pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to finishing that out. Uh, yeah, no, that does sound really epic. And what I like about all the footage that we see out of the Northeast is all the, the terrain. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the big things, like, say, J-Day. You watch that footage. And it's all that brownie dirt and the way that it's just, oh, it just but makes you want to ride. Because of the glaciers that dropped all these rocks of various mm. sizes, it's a rocky terrain as well. Do you sound like a scientist just now? That was oh, awesome. Well. No, that's good. I wouldn't have, been able, oh, well. I wouldn't have been able to drop that bomb because of the glaciers. I would have just been like, there's rocks because of the ground has rocks in it. Well, they used to have mountains, too. But the glaciers dropped all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, you can find some big rocks you can ride over if you want. What do they call them, erratics or something? The huge boulders just sit there. There's no reason for them being there. They're just there. The reason they're there is for races like this. Yes. Do you have any <laughs> of those? Do you have that. them going over any erratics? Uh, well, actually, a lot of the ground is reclaimed quarry. Like they, they're okay. coal mine, so it's everything was dug up and pretty much just dropped, and trees and whatnot grew where they where they are now. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty extreme. Uh, we look at it as more of a, a harder version of roar of our air scramble. Okay. That's the way we look at it. So we, that's basically the name that we came up with, and we're going with it. And our goal is to not destroy people's bikes. It's to put on a difficult race that everybody has a shot in, and it's going to be a blast. And we hope everybody comes out and enjoys it, spectators, everybody. Right on. So then we go through our kind of Saturday races. Now we move to Sunday. How do, it sounds like there's going to be two more races on Sunday. So race number three is a combination of the races uh, race one and race two with the harder stuff added in like you were talking about now is there a fourth race or to just kind of get that off so what what happens is we we tally up the times from the first two races on saturday and the top 50 percent of 45 plus a b and c advance uh the pro riders we we um have the choice of like if they pull off or first for a decent reason, I'm sure we'll discuss at a later point. But if they don't put in a, a satisfactory effort on the Saturday races, they're not going to be allowed to race on Sunday. It's We want to put them to put forth their best effort um, for the spectators and for the sake of the event. So then what happens on Sunday, the first race, it's 
um, half of those people and all the pros, they go out, um, they race, and based on the top, whoever the top 50 are will advance to what we're calling the tough, tough life roar. Uh, Sunday's first race will be two laps. So then after those two laps, it's whoever's the top 50. And then there's top 50, then compete in um, the last race on Sunday, which is going to be three laps long. Okay. You know what I have to say? I, I like it that you want the pros to race on both days, but I'll be honest, you probably got to give them some incentive. So either A, how they do, like say they're on, on Saturday, you have your first two races. What you do is you have kind of a pseudo winner or a pseudo top three of Saturday. So the, and then there's a specific part of your purse. Either you know, either a a specific part of your purse goes to pay those top three. So that way they're racing for first place is five hundred bucks or something. You know, then maybe like three hundred, then two hundred, whatever. Like you know, something like that. Or it gives them if they're first, second, third, fourth, fifth, it gives them a, severe, a significant advantage over everybody else ver- versus more so than just like a gate pick. Well, um, what 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 are your plans though to Encourage them for Saturday. You you said you've given it some thought. What what are you planning on doing, or do you know yet? Well, the, the whole Saturday thing. It's it's just I'm, the way we discussed it. It's like with um the TKO, for instance. The guy the pros don't have to race Saturday, as far as I understand. And it just we're trying to give all the guys that are that are really good, but they're not pro level. There's a there was a guy I know that came down from the ECA, uh, Brian Searpaws, that raced the TKO and qualified for Sunday. But he had to race all through Saturday to get to the Sunday race. And it's we're trying to make sure everybody has an equal footing, especially for the top guys that are considered pros. So even we consider anybody double A regional or double A national to be able to sign up for pro. So we're trying to make sure everybody has fair footing. No, well, I understand that. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea and trying to figure out some kind of incentive on Saturday would probably be the way to get them to be more okay with that. Uh but, you know, I'll let you deal with the pros. I'm just going to be the guy that drinks beer and talks about it after the fact and beforehand. So, uh, and then the Tough Like Roar, the actual, the final event, kind of, um, you said it'll be the top 50 that go into that. What is that another r- couple rounds of that that uh, that third race course, or was it a whole other course? Sorry. Well, the, the two race courses from Saturday get combined for Sunday, and there's still a couple extra pieces that we're going we're gonna to wait for the last race to okay. throw in. To right make it the most difficult race there is. Um, the other races, uh, basically the way we're going to have, we're also going to have um, our some of our sponsors are throwing in some prizes for the amateur riders for incentive um, to see based on how they place. Um, we have some other great things going on like uh, beta test rides and Sherco test rides after Saturday's racing. We also have Task uh, Task Racing. It's a lights company. Yeah, You can actually go to their website and sign up to uh, ride Using their lights at night, uh, you have to bring your own bike. Um, basically, the, the lights will hook up the same way as a GoPro would, and you can run on a course using their lights to test them out. So we have a lot of fun stuff for people to do um, between the action of Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it is to have kind of that extra stuff that's going to kind of help pull guys out there that maybe you're interested in coming to an event like this, but then what really maybe sells them on it is it's like, oh, I've been wanting to ride a beta. You know, to get a chance to maybe not take the beta on the, the gnarly shit, but at least, uh, at least pill around. Maybe they just won't say anything. Yeah. The Shirkos will be what kinds of bikes? Will they bring the trials bikes, or do they have a, a broad spectrum of bikes they'll bring? 
I am not sure of that, actually. I could actually I have to maybe contact the guy who's going to be bringing them and ask. Clay Stucky? Sure that guy's a sucker. <laughs> Clay Stucky's the guy that uh, at the TKO, when uh, he was he crashed on one of the hills, and he fell backwards like 10 feet. And I was like, I just yelled at him. I was like, you got to fall uphill so it's easier or something, smartass. And he just he goes, damn it. I have to crash in the one place that Woody's in the woods. It was pretty epic. Yeah. I was like, yeah, suck it, Clay. <laughs> he's, a, he's an old dude that's way faster than me, so I can talk as much shit as I want, and I just put up with it. So we make it work. Well, cool. That sounds like it's going to be a really yeah, fun event. Like so fun. give us the dates and give us the website. Give us all the exact pertinent information where everybody can go and find out a little bit more information. Well, Tough Like Roar is going to be July 4th and 5th. Okay. Outside. Outside of Tamako, Pennsylvania, you can look up for extra information at Roar.org for anything and anything you might need. And anybody who's wondering, that's R-O-R-R dot right. org, not Katy Perry's Roar. And not R-O-A-R. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which would be Katy Perry. Unless you could get Katy Perry on your show, I would definitely watch that. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. I would just be like... <laughs> He's stuck with me tonight. I know. That's okay, Dad. You're like almost as sexy as she is. You just don't have the shark. What was that? The Super Bowl where she had the like the the shark that was just like left shark or was it right shark? Right shark. He's just over there doing his own thing, just making up dances. I love that. That's what you need to do. Just start making up dances while I'm over here talking. No, okay. Well, I just think I just got the look. I haven't gotten it in a while, so it's been. I don't really know for sure. Moving right along. I think I just got the look. Well, cool, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show, sharing some information with us about the event. Okay. Media. What are your plans to document it? Because that's the biggest thing. Is once you get this, you do this event. The biggest way to get people outside of your kind of regional area to know about it is to make sure you have videos that we could put on a Seat Time website. That guys like Verve Moto, Digital Off Road, you know, all the magazines. That's what's a big thing. So, what are you guys going to be putting out media wise? Well, we have Zach Huberty from Innovation Off Road. He's going to be a main guy in charge of all the, the videotaping. A um, bunch of us are probably going to be having GoPros around the course. Uh, we have somebody in the club that has a drone that we're going to use to, uh, to videotape from above near the starting area. So it's going to be people all over the place with cameras, and we're going to try to catch as much of this as possible. I like it. I like it. Well, we'll look forward to seeing all that footage when you guys get it out, see how the results go, and then, of course, uh, we'll try to see if we can get some of the dudes on that went and raced, and they can give us their feedback, and then we can tell you that if you get a five star, four star, or you know however many stars you get away, because you know we're we're pretty tough on ratings. You, you know what I always what I wanted to do in a gravel pit since you're an old reclaimed pit area. You know you got and and maybe you're too overgrown for this, but you have a gravel pit. Okay. You know you've got the the layers, the shelves, whatever all the trucks have done before the water collects in the bottom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You put all the riders in the bottom, and at the last minute you put two flags up and say, "There's your checkpoint." You have not on your mark ever seen Erzberg. How have you not watched Erzberg? Yeah, that, but they're marked. That's how they start. These guys every have time. to. These guys have to figure out. Here I am, the bottom of this pit. I'm looking up a quarter of a mile. I have a how feeling. How am I going to get up there? All the video footage that we've seen of Erzberg makes it feel like it's really well marked and it's like easy to figure it out. I have a feeling when you're in the bottom of that pit, looking up at the trail that they have marked for you. That it doesn't feel like that to them. Like I have, yeah. I, 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 I'm with you, but the only thing is, is that they, I, they probably mark it. They probably mark it to take you through the hard stuff, like you guys are going to do for roar with roar. 
the prime market, you got probably there's an easy trail if you take two seconds and study it. But if you follow the trail, they're going to take you through all the foolishness. Yeah, the easy trail is you know, the opportunities well. to screw it up, like Roar is probably <laughs> going to do. Uh, but that would be interesting. There's no no marking. You have no idea where this checkpoint is. Just collect everybody down on the bottom, and all of a sudden there's a flag up there, and say, "Go for it." So it's like the like a like the hare and hound when they do the you just uh, the chase, rocket chase the hare. The old rocket races, yeah. Find, you know, they shoot the rocket and say, "Okay, go find it." That's just rocket scary. runs, yeah. But you you guys are too young for that. I remember poker runs. That's that's the only yeah. run I really remember. That's for street bikes. Okay, well. But it sounds like you guys are going to have fun with that one. I, I really look forward to seeing the some of the video you put out. That, that should be a blast. Well, well, the goal is to try to do this every year coming up. So we're going to try to keep going along as far as we can. If we keep it up, maybe we can get you guys to come up and check it out sometime. Absolutely. I to like be, it. To be an annual event, you have to do the first one. So yep, that's here very you go. true. The first annual Tough is tough Like Roar. 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 You told us. Roar. Roar. I don't know. Sorry, I get excited. Thank you for coming on the Thank show. You. We're going to move right along and get Joshua Knight up here, but I really appreciate you coming on and telling us about the event. Good luck, and definitely keep us up to date. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure being on your show. Woo-hoo. See pleasure you Thursday night. Ayo! See ya. <laughs> Later. Later. <laughs> you know, and with the lack of last man standing, some of the other more difficult events in this country, um, it's good to hear that somebody's picking that up again. Of course, the 24 hours of Maplesville is coming up. Yes. I think it's this weekend. If not this weekend, it's next weekend. But that's always an impossible race, and some of, some of the guys do it Ironman. Yeah, but that's not – the one thing that – the only difference there is I don't – from footage I've seen and from talking to people I've never done the event is it doesn't it doesn't have the technical aspect of what kind of they're trying to trying to create with these – these uh, yeah. these these hard enduros, like when Last Man Standing started. I mean, literally, like the third year, where they were like, "We want one damn person to finish." And you know what they got? They got one damn person to finish. Yeah. David Knight tried, and he throwing up out of his open faced helmet down the road. And Tabby Bazuzak pretty much put his stamp on being a badass that year. But you've seen those trails. I mean, that area, that area down in Maplesville, oh, they've yeah. been riding on it's for tough as shit. Been riding on for forty years, and and it's all clapped out. So. I mean, even every mile is a challenge uh, on those rocky, rooty uphills, uh, downhills, off-camber hills, mud holes, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, so anybody who can do that for 24 hours um, is is a man. More of a man than or, me. Or a woman in the case of the female classes. Yes. Um, they're a jinner. Um, oh. So one question we did, I forgot to ask to Matt that I think I kind of have a little bit of an answer is on the roar part. So the tough like roar with the tires. From what I understand, there is no trials tires allowed, um, and some of the hybrid tires as well will not be allowed. So if you have one of the prototype stickies, that may that may be good. But if you have one of the equilibrium stickies. That may not be good. Yeah. Now, obviously, the best way to get the answer to your question is to reach out to the to the to the club, and we should have uh, asked that on the. I did talk to them a little bit before that, and what I got is that tires like the Equilibrium will not be allowed. Uh, that kind of sucks because it's events like this. I feel like they were just like they were bur- they were born for. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're interested in tires like that, definitely check out kindatire.com and uh, learn more about what you should be running at an event like this, even if they won't let you. I think that's the way to do it. Just show up and be like, you know what? Kind of tire USA. Life. I'm running it. Yeah. You think that'll work? I want a new set of Parkers. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. 
All right, so before we lose him, because he's 19 years old, the dude could fall asleep on us at any time or decide to go out with a bunch of chicks and stay out all night. Either one's definitely a possibility. We're going to talk to Mr. Joshua Knight. So is it Josh or Joshua? What, what do you prefer, sir? I don't care. Um, you like it. You're easy. I go by Josh most of the time. Nice. Yeah, I was like, I was. I kept referring to you as Josh. I think you were Josh on Facebook, and then all of a sudden when we friended each other on Skype, because, you know, that's always the cool thing to do. It was Joshua, and I was like, oh, man, now I'm confused. I don't know which route to go. It's just as long as it's not JK. Right? Yeah. <laughs> my full name. Yeah, my full name is Joshua, but I go by Josh. Mm, I like it. We'll go with Josh as well then. So, dude, congratulations yeah, on dude. overalling the qualifier this past weekend. Uh, how did that feel? Uh, it was awesome. I had a really fun time. I love that race, and that's kind of been one of my goals or dreams to do. So I had an awesome time. Right on. So all the times that you have qualified before, you've never overalled the event that you qualified from? No, I've never won the whole thing. I've won my class before, and my best finish was third on day one last year, but no, I've never overall the event. Mm-hmm. Third last year? That's not too bad either. Yeah, I know, third yeah. overall. And that third overall last year, was that when you won your class? Yeah. Um, this year was the first year that I raced E2, uh-huh. which is the 250, two-stroke, and 450 class. Yeah. But in the previous three years, I've raced E1 and qualified and won every day that I raced that class. But this year, I decided to race 252 stroke. Yeah, and the E2 class is kind of the – sometimes it changes. People jump around sometimes. But the E2 is kind of the more competitive class. It's, is, am I correct there? Um, Yeah, I guess you could say that because it's a class of 450 would – ride or a 250 that it is uh it's a very competitive class um but yeah guys race different classes every year um 250fs or whether it be a ktm 300 whatever but the e2 class is usually always the largest and has a lot of competition in it oh yeah um yeah. so i had a fantastic time when i was up there competing at that event and i have to say i can only imagine what it, the terrain that you guys had looked that much more epic we may have just lost them but we're going to see here so we'll talk about it so when I, when i went up there with west they kept saying you know just make sure just pray that it doesn't get muddy because there have been times in the past when it was a mud run but some of the hills are so steep yeah. that yeah. it's just almost imp- it's almost impossible to ride but of course, then what you're going to do is uh, that what the terrain that they had just looked to be absolutely epic. So that's yeah. kind of one of the things that I wanted to talk to him about is to kind of see like, holy crap, you know. What would you consider that two-stroke or four-stroke terrain? Um, I rode it on a two-stroke and I loved it. I had a blast on it. Um, now to say that I would prefer the amount of time I have on a 350 right now, I'd rather go ride it on 300. Like just because I kind of would feel probably more unless comfortable. It's muddy. Yeah, unless it's muddy, but it's very Colorado esque. Oh. I, I would say there's more more pine trees. Well, you know, in Colorado, you seem to run across more aspens, and no, there are pine trees. It just doesn't seem to be uh, mass amounts. It seems to be like a it kind of uh, intersperses. I love the smell of, of riding through those mountain forests. Yeah. That sm- oh. How do you concentrate on racing when you're – I'm sorry. That's yeah. that's the adventure coming up later this exactly. summer. Exactly. Yeah. So, Josh, did we get you back? Um, yeah, if you can hear me. We can hear you. You sound sexy, but you look horrible. But that's okay. That's just because we don't have your video. 
Um, okay. No, that's all right. So tell us a little bit about the terrain that you had and what you were dealing with because I know that it looked so much better um, than it was when I was there in 2012. Not that it was bad, but it was just dusty. And it looked like you guys had just the right amount for very little dust. Yeah, um, I've raced it Yeah, every year since. I've done it six years, but this year was on the north side of the road, um, mostly private property. Um, a lot of the, the 120 miles was on private property. Um, it's been raining a lot up there for the past uh, two, two or three weeks, so the ground was full of moisture. Um, but the weather for the weekend didn't look as promising as the, the weeks have been. Um, it was supposed to be really hot and we went out and walked some of the tests and they were kind of they were dry on top but there was still a lot of moisture in the ground and saturday turned out to be i don't i don't think there's ever been a better day at idaho city at least in the years i've been there um just absolute perfect dirt and overcast all day long just 70 degrees just the days you dream about and everybody had a smile on their face and it was super fun oh yeah um so this is a more traditional qualifier format than what we saw a little bit earlier a couple of weeks ago at the full gas sprint enduro, where that is obviously that sprint enduro format where there literally are no transfer sections, where in this case, you guys have a four to five mile test section, but then you have miles of transfer to the next test session. So in in your best, if you can remember, kind of what would you say the average test section length was, and then maybe what was the average kind of transfer t- section test because obviously 110 miles every day is, is pretty intense. Yeah, um, I like the Idaho City race. I think it's a really good example of what riders are going to experience at the six days, um, mainly because the transfer sections are long and some of them can be more brutal than the tests and um, very technical. And then there's multiple tests and each one is, um, in years past, they've had long ones, but this year it was pretty consistent, um, maybe 6 to 10 or 11-minute long tests, which is about what you get at uh, six days, right. which is a really good test for riders. And uh, at that, I guess, short of tests, it's um, high high intensity and full sprint. Yeah. Do you see knowing who won – and kind of like you know who qualified, if you will, their top three in their in their respective classes. Do you feel that that? And I, I know you said that that event kind of made it feel like it was a good test for people that are going to go race six days. But do you feel that the people that won or that would have qualified out of that event are the right people? I know that in the past people have talked about different qualifiers not qualifying the correct people for whatever reason that is, you know, and that's kind of one of those, the way you look at it, your, your perspective, if you will. So I just wanted to know what you thought from, uh, from what you saw from the weekend. Um, yeah, I feel that this qualifier is, uh, tough enough and it requires the riders to not only be, um, physically fit, but they need to have the right intensity and speed in the test and also the right, um, mental focus for riding that long, um, spending that much time on the bike. Um, a lot of, a lot of that race comes down to mental focus, um, decisions, um, timekeeping, making sure that you don't make any mistakes in that matter. 
And so I feel that this, uh, that that event is, uh, it kind of gets all, all aspects and attributes that a rider needs to participate in six, ba- uh, six days really well. And also out of the three six days that I've done, everyone has been similar, but very, very different in their own way as far as terrain goes. Right. So I can also understand, and I've thought about it myself, um, whether or not a qualifier like this is the best for the six days of that year. Ah. Um, for example, um, I know that different riders across the country will excel better at different six days just because they're more comfortable in that terrain. Um, last year's was in Argentina, mm-hmm. and there was no trees. It was just rocks and sand and more sand. So a lot of the West Coast guys that do works or hare and hounds um, really felt pretty comfortable with that. Not to say that East Coast guys um, weren't, as most of them still smoked me, but <laughs> I would say that um, each each six days, I mean, they're in all across the world, so they just they um, differ in terrain so much that different riders um, have advantages, whether it be in the woods or the desert or whatever it is. Right on. So. Yeah, that's one of the things that, like, Idaho Joe and I have talked about that. You know, it, it's – the Idaho City 100 is an epic race, and if anybody's thought about it, go to it. Like, it, when it happens, it's a race you should do. It's it, don't even You don't even need to treat it like a race. The terrain is amazing. But to your point, we've that's one of the things Joe and I have talked about is – we wish there was an easier way to move those kind of qualifiers around. The problem is clubs. clubs. You know, the guys, the guys that the, that that put on the Idaho City 100, they know how to put on a qualifier. Yep. Um, and it's the same thing with like with the National Enduro comes around. Those guys go out and they they talk for months to these clubs that want to put on a National Enduro, and then they go out there and see the property and they check that out. Okay, what's your idea for it? How long is this going to be? All that kinds of stuff. They're very adamant about that, but. There isn't the time or the money to do that for these qualifiers, which is, you know, some of us are like, ah, that sucks, there should be. But in the grand scheme of things, I can see why there, this is this might be small potatoes in that sense. But it would be great if these qualifiers could kind of move around a little bit to kind of try to, to attempt to yeah. match what the possible terrain is going to be. Like in Argentina, we don't have anything that was like that, like the fesh fesh or whatever, that super crazy silty sand that you guys dealt with last year. We would would you think that we had any place in the states to like qualify people correctly for Argentina? No, I I mean I talked to uh Paul Kraus and Jeff Fredette who I mean they have more experience than most any rider or factory rider ever will. Right. They've raced all over the world and neither of them said that they had ever experienced uh silt like what we raced in Argentina ever. And that's across the globe, let alone just in the country. Right. And being able to host a qualifier like that. Um, yeah, it would be very difficult to simulate the sand or the rocks is one thing, but um, just those extra elements like silt that we experienced in silt days or in six days, there was, there was nothing like it. Yeah, no, I've, it seemed like that was the case, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring that one up specifically because, I mean, guys were dying left and right. and Well, guys' bikes were dying left and right. I'm sure a couple riders were pooped as well, 
But uh, yeah, so we did have a question from the chat room from from uh, from Rick Kudla, uh, and he was said, "What was your favorite test uh, there at the qualifier?" Um, the qualifier this past weekend. Yes, correct. Um, I don't know. I like Iowa City so much that I I just enjoy every mile of it. I really. Um, I really like this year because Idaho Joe and a lot of the other Boise Ridge riders, um, they really stepped in and they added a second um, full ribbon test. Um, they called it the Enduro test, and it was similar to a grass track, just a lot tighter, um, more off cambers, and really technical. I liked that one. I always enjoy the grass track because it's, I mean, it's just like a motocross track in the mountains, and it just doesn't get better than that. And then I always love just racing up and down the ridges there. Um, they're always super fast and fun. So I, mean, I don't know if I had a favorite. I really like the grass track if I choose one in specific. I think I think we need to reach out to KR4 and get them. If I mean, I would imagine that this would be a qualifier next year as well. It's been a qualifier for the past couple of years from my understanding. But... I think this would be one of those epic races that if you're like, you know, whatever it costs, 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, or whatever to rent a Husky and to fly to Boise and then, you know, maybe rent a car and drive the hour or whatever it is up to Idaho City, this would be an epic, epic event to or do that Or have your retired father drive your 350 up there? Maybe. And pick you up at the airport? I don't know, Dad. We've done pretty good on our road trips as of late. Why would I want well, – we should, we should drive together. There's no way I'm doing it in two days like we did, like I did with West, no, though. Holy no, shit. No. We were in that pickup truck, and it was a two-door pickup truck, and I was just stuck in there. Not that it's bad being stuck with West McKnight, but I'm – you could tell I'm an anxious kind of person. Like, I like to move around and sitting there singing Call Me Maybe with West McKnight for, like, 30-something hours makes you want to shoot yourself in the face. It's horrible. Horrible. And then you have to get out and race. And then you have to get out and race. I don't know how the pros do it. They have to travel across the country and they drive hours and hours on end and then get there and get on a rower and warm up their body and then go, Brap. I don't know. I don't get it. I had fun. I'd love to try to do it again. Yeah, well, what was it, the, the woods trails? Now, what were the woods trails like? Uh, were they, they tight single track? Were they clapped out? Because that, that area gets used a lot. But what were the woods trails like? Um... Well, Idaho City is in a large, large mountain range yep. uh, in Idaho, the Sawtooth, and they have they have tons of terrain to work with, but they have probably, they probably have four or five courses all, oh. all separate from each other. They are all over 100 miles, and it's hard to fathom how many trails they have up there, but as far as the woods trails go and the transfer sections, they are as true as single track can get. Um, you are in huge mountains, always on off cambers, ridges, side hills, and it is as wide as your tire, and it doesn't get any wider. And 30-inch um, wide trees. And yeah, super, super tight single track. Yeah, first gear, um, second gear. Yeah, first and second gear. So it really takes a lot of focus and uh, skill on the bike. But um, the trails are awesome. It's not rocky. Um, it's always just smooth dirt, very little rocks, which uh, um, allows the trails to really rut up. And they get lots of breaking bumps and whoops um, out in those mountains, especially the trails near to the pits. 
Yeah, I, one of the things that I remember writing there was in Brian's story. His kind of is is kind of reiterated this for me is that at this event, trail pace there always seems to be much faster than it is at a lot of other qualifier type events. So, and, and in the sense of trail pace, it's because when you're between tests, yeah. you're you're not needing to race. You're not needing to ride that hundred, hundred and ten percent and be as focused as possible. But at this event at the Idaho City one hundred, when I was there, I noticed this and story said the same is that it seems like their trail pace timing, the way they space out the event, their trail pace is always that little bit faster. So you've got to From I mean, the old you twenty four days. You, you are mile paying hour attention the entire event so it's it's not a 110 mile trail ride or a hundred you know it's not right. a 70 mile trail ride with 30 to 40 miles of tet like it is it is 110 miles all day of just being extremely focused now sometimes that happens at the isdes and sometimes that doesn't sometimes the transfers are roads and you're just making sure you don't get lost um and you don't get hit by some random dude in a rental car that's you just go. out there having insurance and just sliding it sideways like they do, you know, the week before when they're walking the test. Um, and then there's times where the trail pace is absolutely insane at the Enduros at the national, at the six days, and so they're, you know, they're out there for 12 hours being as focused as possible, just just trying to get to the dang test on time, let alone then hauling balls once they're in their five minute test. So, what did you think about the trail pace this year? Was it pretty 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 good? Um, yeah, the trail pace um, is pretty quick, I'd say, for an enduro. Um, it's different if you haven't ever raced um, mountain single track like that because uh, if you're not comfortable in that situation, you'd, you'd use more energy than somebody that rides that all the time. But the, the trail pace is pretty quick. Um, it's similar to six days in a sense. Six days always is a mix of everything. Wherever you go, you might have a section that's all road, like you said. Um, some sections are all virgin. Um, six days, usually there isn't any surprises as far as super tight sections. Um, if there is, there is always um, warnings. I mean, you always you always know if the section is going to be really tight, so you can, you can pick up the pace. Um, but, yeah, Idaho is always... Uh, I mean, there's there's very little roads. There's there's just logging roads up in the mountains that you you hit some double track for a minute, but you're on single track 90% of the day, and it takes a uh, it takes a lot out of you, focus uh, mentally and physically. Yeah. Okay. So we've got people in the chat room, specifically Ryan Kudla, not Eric Kudla, because I'm an idiot. Um, and he goes, "Oh my gosh, has Josh decided yet if he's gonna go?" So. Josh, I know we've talked about this, but I'll let you break the news live on the show if you're going to make it again or not. Oh, probably not this year. I mean, I have it, – it would be tough to go four years in a row. I would love to, but uh, financially it's always tough, as a lot of riders know, to get to get there and all that. But not to say that I'm not racing. I mean, I have tons of six days left in the end. I'm, I'll be back, and I have, I have dreams to go – race on either the junior team or the trophy team, which would be awesome. So yeah. in the future, we'll we'll get to a bunch more. But this year, I'll, I'll take the year off. 
Right on. Well, um, you've got a lot of crap going on right now. I can only imagine. And then as well, you're now working for Envy Composites. Now, for those of you who don't know, now Josh, since you works there, will obviously be able to speak to this much better than I can. But Envy Composites, uh, carbon fiber, carbon fiber, carbon fiber. But they make some badass stuff for a lot of mountain bikes, road bikes, cycling stuff out there. And I'm sure that they partner up with a lot of other industries as well. When you're that good at carbon, yeah. people, excuse me, people want to use you. So I can only imagine. So, dude, tell us about your experiences there because anybody who's a mountain bike enthusiast like myself knows that you work there. You're going to get a bunch of calls for discounts, just FYI. So. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been good friends with the uh, owner, um, Brett Satterthwaite, who uh, started the company me with his cousin in 2007. Right. And I've been there for over three years now. But, um, yeah, we manufacture all sorts of variety of uh, carbon fiber mountain bike and road bike components, uh, mainly wheels, but also seat posts and handlebars and stems and everything. So um, it's all in-house. It's all handmade, um, American-made products um, that are, I mean, they're made for professional athletes and they're made to perform um, better than anything else. But it's awesome working there. Super fun. I mean, being in that sort of industry, we get, uh, I mean, we get to spend a lot of time on wheels and have fun. So it's a, it's a great job for me. I've learned a lot working there and I have a good future there. So, um, it's fun to, to build stuff that, uh, you would like to use or want to use, whether it be on a mountain bike or a motorcycle. Um, either way you learn a lot and, uh, it's a it's a super fun job. I love it. Oh my gosh, I'm super jealous. So, you know, you know that I'm a professional athlete, and and I could easily, uh, you know, promote your product. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It would be awesome if that were true. It's yeah, it's quite unfortunate. Um, no, I, I would I would uh, I, I would. Uh, yeah, I would do things for a set of a uh, set of Envy wheels or uh, Envy, yeah. Envy products for the mountain bikes. How about uh, carbon fiber bash plates, carbon fiber pipe protectors, carbon fiber frame protectors? I mean, that could. I mean, that, the I, here's, the here's, world is open. The way that I see it, though, is that could be something that Envy possibly gets into. Maybe they are in the near future. But honestly, the mountain bike industry and the cycling industry is so much bigger that it's. Uh. It would almost seem like if. Like he's saying, he's good friends with the with the the owner. Like if Josh maybe wanted to play around with some custom fitted stuff, you know, maybe because they're good friends, he might go down that path. Or if he rides, I could see it maybe being a pet project yeah. for them. But honestly, the, the the money difference between the cycling industry, I mean, if you looked at mountain bikes versus off road dirt off road bikes, and then like road cycling to road motorcycle, yeah. oh, it's like. The, the money spent on the on the cycling side is just so much higher than I mean the carbon stuff we have now honestly is not as good as a lot of the stuff you see in the cycling industry but it's because the cycling industry has the money so there's no point to cross over now prove me wrong and tell me that you guys are working on motorcycle shit oh I don't know envy envy's main focus is uh mountain bikes and road bikes not to say that in the future they might come out with some uh, motorcycle stuff, whether they choose to or not. But, yeah, just like you said, um, the mountain bike and road bike uh, industry and community is way bigger. And, uh, they, I mean, they can 
not to say we can't use carbon fiber, but um, bikes benefit a lot more for carbon fiber because of the concern of weight. But, um, yeah, I mean, carbon fiber is fun. It's cool to work with. I like it. I, I One of the things that I find super, super interesting about carbon and 3D printers, so what I've seen lately is guys making bicycles out of their garage because what they do is they, they use 3D printers to print their molds that they then use these molds to get like DIY carbon fiber or carbon, you know, the glue up stuff, and they make their own frames, and it's that is awesome. And I can only wait for the DIY kind of moto guys to get into that market because I think that there is a space for more parts and pieces of motorcycles within to be used and be done in carbon. I'm no engineer, so honestly, like I'm not even going to try to speak to that, but. Like a motor mount, you know, it's like, it's all, like, could that be something? You know, there's all, like, sure, vibrations, blah, 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 but I'm just spitting out ideas. But that would be the cool thing. Huh? It's like with that possibility of three carbon fiber motorcycle frame. Yeah, I don't see why somebody at least couldn't try it. I don't think you could do carbon fiber disc brakes like they do in race cars because they get so hot and we run into stuff, they'd crack. Oh, yeah. You know, whereas they don't run into things with the cars. But there's a lot of applications on a motorcycle that have yet to, be experimented with. Yeah, like in road have, bikes, why could, do road bikes have uh, carbon rims? Road racing motorcycles? I, I don't know. I don't see why they couldn't. Like track? Or or wheels, wheel sets. That's what Spoke I mean. Spoke sets, like yeah. Having a, well, I'm not talking about like yeah. carbon fiber tires. No, wheel, wheels and rims. and <laughs> Hubs. Hubs could be carbon on a dirt bike. There we go, Josh. Go make me some carbon hubs. Well, yeah, I better see some Instagram posts tomorrow, tomorrow. tagging Seat Time, being like, "Here's Seat Time's carbon fiber hubs for his dirt bike." Envy's now entered the market. That would be crazy. Yeah, it that'd would. be fun though. That's it. I like yeah. it. It doesn't say no. He just goes, "That would be crazy." <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. Exactly. <laughs> All right, yeah, dude. That's, that's... You have a career in marketing ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy's good. That would be crazy. <laughs> Nice. Well, thank you. Oh, oh, thank you guys. Apparently, if you got okay, so here we go. If you guys want to try the video again, I guess his brothers were hogging all the bandwidth. So apparently, your brothers were making sure that your video couldn't go on the show tonight. Probably. You know what you need to tell them? <laughs> you need to tell them, guys. I'm way better looking than you, and that's just not fair. Yeah, that's what I should tell them. That'll, that'll fix it. I know. I know. We make it happen. <laughs> yeah, now I'm literally we're getting bogged by both Kudlas that tell in this in the chat room that now Mike Knight, I, I would assume that is your father, has taken care of it. And I'm like, oh, I can only imagine that uh, Josh's brothers are now tied up in the basement, like, <laughs> we're hogging all the bandwidth, and it's like Mike Knight's like standing over him with the phone, like calling the Kudlas. You get his face back on there. Unplug the computer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> here, let's, here, hit the button. Let's see if we can get you back on. Apparently, your brothers yeah, have died over this. Button. So it's, it's your button on your side. Hit it. Let's see what we get. Turn off video. Or turn on. Turn on. I can't find it. Oh. So we still got a cool picture of you. Yeah. Looks, <laughs> looks better than me. Good click, form. Click our way. video just to see it twice, just to see what happens. All right. Well, you still sound great, so that's right. that's amazing. 
And your and information was even better. We'll be uh, all hot and bothered, ready for Thursday night. Well, cool, man. Well, congrats again on doing a badass job. It kind of oh. sucks that the year that you overall is the year that you're, you know, you're not going to be able to make it. But obviously, now you know that all the work and all the hard work that you're putting in is paying off because what you've seen is you're consistently growing stronger, faster, and and your badassery level built your portfolio closer to mine. Which that just that says a lot. So I'm just just glad, yeah. to, glad to have that I mean, happen. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I mean. It's just, it's all learning. I mean, I'm slow getting better, but well, if you're yeah, not going to make the six days, what other what other exciting things are coming up for you in the next couple of months? Saving money <laughs> and saving yeah, money, saving money, maybe working. But you know, what other yeah. events of what what's coming up for you in the future? Oh, I have been just racing this year, kind of for fun. I mean, I trained a lot last year for uh, six days, and then this year has just kind of been. Uh, Doing the races I want. I haven't really chosen a, a series to chase points in. Uh, I'll just have a just working, having fun for the summer. Um, I have plans to serve a LDS mission in October. So, I mean, I got a lot going on this year, but mainly just riding motorcycles for fun and hanging out. Yeah. No, you'll save a you'll save a hefty chunk of change. Obviously, at 19, it doesn't. Uh, it's not the same to you. But from what I understand, it is if you were to have a child. And pay for it out of pocket in cash at the hospital. That's about what it costs to go to six days. Yeah, about ten thousand. Yeah. from what I understand. So, and that, that's and that's if you're not going to Argentina, where it costs twice as much because of the the, the what is it, the crappy ass government that the politicians with yeah their the politician yeah. the politician government. Well, cool, man. Well, yeah. good job. I know it's it's uh and good it, luck with your mission trip. Yeah, and uh, we want to see some envy parts. So you know anything that looks like it might not make it through uh, QC, you can just send it to us. You know, it's fine. I, I'll All take, right. I'm, I'm down. You know, we'll give it to the Kudlas. <laughs> yeah, that'll right. work. <laughs> Here, guys, go and test you can, this. You can tell your father he can untie your brothers now. Uh, or, All right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you want a nice evening without yeah, maybe, your brothers Maybe you want them tied up. Whatever. <laughs> just just leave exactly. down there for a little bit. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. Your dad will love oh. that. All righty. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Great job. And I know we'll have you on the show again soon, so take it easy. And congratulations yeah, on a great wait. ride. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, it was a good dude. Time. And believe me, it's not because you're ugly. It's your brother's fault. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's a great <laughs> stock picture we have. Yeah. Later, man. Wait. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Peace. Um, so we didn't get a chance to put up some of the meta pictures. So uh, did you get a chance to put those into the, into the dealio? Grabbing right now. So as we were talking about, we were at the meta release party, and uh, where this was at was at Erico Erico oh, Motorsports. What a and this place, place has um, not only do they do custom motorcycles, you know, they have your typical off-the-shelf motorcycles, and it's an entire shop as well, right? So, but the custom bikes that they have was insane. Mm-hmm. So of course, one of the cool things is that it was sponsored by uh, Ratio Beer Works. They're in Denver, so we had free Domestica and free IPA beer on tap all night. Halfway through the evening, I literally see a keg getting rolled in, and I'm at at the tap at the time when I see it kind of out the corner of my eye, and I just look at the guy pouring, and I'm like, really? He looks at me. He knew exactly what I meant. He's like, yeah, y'all are drinking a lot of beer. I was like, well, there were a lot of y'alls there. There were a lot of people there. A lot of people. Hundred, hundred fifty, at least minimum. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. 
the fact that Ratio Beer Works brought in some free beer for all. I mean, I, I don't know if it was free. It was free to us. Meta might have paid for it, whatever it was. Ratio Beer Works had some great beer. So if you're in Denver or see a chance for you to pick up some of their craft beer, definitely check it out. It was fantastic. Um, You've got to go to that shop. It, yeah. Denver, oh. go to Erico Motorsports. It was so beautiful. Just, just as an experience, you know, it looks like you, off the street, it looks like you're in this, this dingy alley. And this old Triumph shop from the 60s is just kind of hanging out with old-timey lights and old-timey signs. And, and, and there's bikes out front, and there's all kinds of different things. Then you walk into the store, and, and it, has, it really has that feel mm -hmm. of an old, you don't yeah. remember, I do. of an old 60s. What's my doodle shop? The old Suzuki shop. Yeah, at, like Adam's Adam, Suzuki shop in you. New Orleans. Yes, indeed. You know, just d d bikes everywhere. Every kind of bike, every kind of supply, every kind of gear, every kind of anything you could ever want, just kind of mumble jumbled all together, dirt on the floor, grease on the employees. But that's what it was like in the 60s. The difference was all the gear and the equipment was beautifully organized. The bikes and the floor were spick and span, and yet it still had that feel and smell yeah. of an old-time motorcycle shop that I used to work in. Um it just took me back 40 years. I loved it. Yeah, Erico Motorsports. And what's even funnier is you guys, uh, we, we've tried to have them on the show quite a few times. It's just literally never worked out. But our good friend Jeremiah Scratch Stone, so he's a big mountain biker, a mountain bike friend of ours. He's been around the scene for a long time. We've raced dirt bikes with him and everything. He actually worked at that shop when yep. he lived in Denver. And so I'm, I'm knowing that he had worked at some shop. And I text him, I'm like, Hey, have you ever been to Erico Motorsports? That's where we are tonight. And the text message I get back is like, holy crap, that's where I used to work. Tell all these people I said hi. And I was like, oh, God, here I go. So I'm walking around trying to find all these people. Scratches, hi, scratches. And they're like, oh, you don't scratch. Like, it was just so cool. I'm in Denver. And I'm in the shop that my buddy used to work at during the recession when he was up there in Denver. It was just like. It's kind of weird that all these people, like I had this yep. intimate, like Kevin Bacon, you know, six degree of separation kind of thing going on. Uh, so it was interesting, but yeah, and then but no they, dirt bikes, yeah, no, dirt. no dirt bikes. But some of the custom bikes that they had, and I, I, I won't be able to tell you what any of these are. But uh, just so that way we could go through a couple of these guys. Um, which one you got first for, Steven? So this bike is one that somebody's going to actually ride across the Trans American Trail, I believe. And yes, it was built specifically to be one of the most uncomfortable bikes possible to do this trip on. Um, and so that's why you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks horrible Like to do that kind of a trip. And I, from what I understand, that's the idea. Now, they could have been pulling my leg or whatever, but there's always that. And, it does and that's say, an R. If you're looking at that, I believe that's the Yamaha. I can't yes, see the picture very well. That is a 350cc Yamaha R5 motor. So that is not something pulled out of a Banshee. That's, a, that's an old-timey R5 350 two-stroke twin Yamaha motor. It is the original frame. What they did was they modified the swing arm to fit the frame. You know, it has the uh, linkage suspension in the rear, modern forks, of course, sticking out the front. Um, I was trying to figure out what the bike would be good for until we talked to the people about what they're going to do with it. So, it, I mean, it, Frankenstein's monster is what it looked like, but when you stop and think about what they're going to try to do with it, um, as long as they carry plenty of oil, they should be okay. Yeah, yeah, a lot of oil. Okay, what you got next for us? Okay, this one was a really cool one. There's a close-up of the tank. I can't remember what it says, but, uh, yeah. So what's that say, Stephen? Mud Uzi. Mud Uzi? Uzi? 
Mud Goosey? Like Moto Goosey, but Mud Mud Goosey. Goosey. That's a brand. Um, Did you get a chance to talk to him about this one? No. Okay, so back up to the wide one. This was just a cool-looking bike. I like the fact that it had the the orange really stuck out to me, um, and it was just bitchy-looking, I thought, so I had to take a picture of this guy. And they did have some adventure bikes. They had the Triumph Tigers. They had the uh, Moto Guzzi. They had uh, um, a lot of the um, – they had a Priya and some Ducatis. Yeah. So, it, But primarily it was a Triumph and Ducati shop. And for all of you though, out there that, that are Ducati lovers – uh, raise your hand if you know what desmodromic valves are. Nope. Okay, well that's your that's your homework assignment for the next week. All right, we'll let be back Brian next know week next week. <laughs> if you guys on the on the uh, the website, if you know, chime in. What are desmodromic valves? Ducati has made them famous for decades, and they still use them. Guaranteed, no float. If you understand what they are, you'll know why. Interesting. We do have a scientist in the room, so I'm sure he'll know. Okay, what no, you got next? No, just an old fart. The no, road. no, not you. There's an actual scientist. Oh, like that a guy. real scientist. Yeah, he's, like got his, he's working on his PhD or something. And racing dirt bikes. Uh, this, I did that. This was the Honda. the Honda. That one was cool. I really like this one. It's still not my favorite, but it was funny. I posted this one online, and the immediate reaction I get was, Stop taking pictures of the crappy bikes. Take pictures of more Italians in the back or something like that because of all the old-timey. And I was oh, like, oh, that's a good point. I didn't get any of the, the wall. Barber. Yeah, yeah, the wall. Yep, the one that, yep. Those barber. of you that have been to Barber and the museum there, and if you haven't been there, you've missed it. They had a wall in the back of the shop with old Ducati and Moto Guzzi two-strokes and four-strokes. I mean, we're talking 50s, 60s. Uh, and and they were just amazing. We found this. We found one set of bikes. They had a what looked like a normal shock or a normal spring, rather, a spring with a rod between it. And then on the back there was a compression. Oh yes, yes, you yes, cranked, yes, yes, yes. You cranked your your compression and rebound dampening with friction. There was a, a bar, uh, two bars that yeah, crossed like, each like other and that would do this. And you tightened you tightened down a clamp. To increase or decrease the friction, i.e. the dampening, for the rear suspension. That's Talk about oil. sick. Like uh, Valvoline wasn't out yet. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so your compre- you, you had whatever you did, your compression dampening equaled your rebound dampening, whether you wanted it that way or not. That was amazing. Um, what else we got? I think the next one's my favorite. Yes. Yeah, so I have still have absolutely no clue what this thing is. Um, it's scary as all get out, and OMG, I just I just fell in love. Now the wheels seem to be absolutely huge on this thing, but oh, dude, this was a beauty, man. I don't know what was going on there, but I just absolutely love this thing. And if you look at the front fork, keep that picture up, Steve. Look at the front if you fender. Look at the front fender. That's not it's a fender. Actually, like a leaf spring for the very front, just so you get that every little bit of damping there in the front. Um, but it's still kind of that. Oh, I. I and then this picture unfortunately doesn't do it very much justice, but you might if you zo- if you kind of looked at it just right, you might be able to tell that the throttle is actually the exact same size as the handlebar. So what it is is it's an inset throttle. So the grip is it, it's on this. Oh my gosh! So it was completely flush with the handlebar. It was and they gorgeous. They fired that bike oh, up while we were there. It was the like when place. they like revved it. Oh dude, I think my pants fell off like three times. Yeah, I was like, couldn't Stop hear, you couldn't hear yourself not think. Yeah, it was. This was the one that I could not stop going over and looking at. It was absolutely beautiful. I like the Yamaha. 
That's I loved this one. I would have. Well, I don't know. I take that back. I like the Honda CB one sixty. Oh yeah. They had a, a being restored, uh, circa nineteen sixty eight Honda CB one sixty, in in A minus shape, but with the potential to be A plus. Wicked. Well, we had a great time. Seriously, if you're in Denver, go check that that place out. Um, it was a phenomenal time. Definitely uh, check out Ratio Beer Works if you get a chance and read Meta. If you yeah. don't know what that means, go to readmeta.com and figure it out. You want to subscribe to that and get that bi-annually, which would be twice a year for all you non-bi-annually lingoed type folks. Words. Bi-annual. Bi- bi- you get it bi-annually. You buy it annually? Yeah, I buy it. Yes. You <laughs> biannually gets it in the mail. Why don't they say two issues a year? Well, that's all right. Because it sounds, it sounds smarter. Better. It sounds, it sounds more sounds. smart. And, and you know you have the right one if Travis Pastrana's on the cover. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's the third one anyway. You can get some of the other ones. They also are available at Barnes & Noble now uh, for this year. So you'll be able to pick them up there, which is a big deal for them, I think. They're, I wonder if they'll be at the X Games. I know Travis Pastrana will, but I don't know if they're going to have meta stuff out there. I don't know. Taking pictures? Yeah. Maybe. I want to see the Harley-Davidson races. Thursday night. Yeah, flat track there. seven. I don't know where they found a bunch of XR750s. They're brand new. It's a, they're brand, I was talking to Austin about this a little bit today. They're brand new bikes that Harley's making um, because they're trying to use X Games to kind of reach out a little bit to that younger audience to kind of get a little bit more um, – notoriety and, and, and brand awareness to to Harley um, and to the sport of flat tracking. Mm. So that's kind of the idea behind it. Can you imagine a 750 Harley adventure bike? Nope. Mm, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or even an 880 if they had the right frames. Look at that you. That would be awesome. Oh, you need to wipe the drool. Mm. There you go. There you go. I'm, um, drool- I'm drooling over the... Yeah, the possibility, the possibility of, a, <laughs> of a 750 of an or 850 adventure even as bike. a street bike. Sell it as a street bike. A cafe type, you know, crotch rocket. Mm. That would get them popular. I don't it? want a crotch rocket. No, you don't. But there's plenty but of people Harley, Harley doesn't do crotch rockets. They did. I think they well. – They used to. Of course, they were owned by the people that make the bowling stuff then AMF. Whatever. That was a long time ago. So thank you very much for tuning in to episode 168 of Seat Time presented by Fly Racing. Of course, you can learn more about us, Seat Time, at seattime.co, which is our website where we archive all the site and all of our other fun news that we put up. Um, we are on Facebook with facebook.com slash seat time. We are on Twitter. It is at seat time underscore co. It's our username. Of course, we are on Instagram. It is just at seat time. We do like to use the hashtag pintful of awesome. So please use that when you're making all of your posts. That helps just a little bit more awareness for us out there. If you wouldn't mind, if you're watching live, of course, you can do seat time live. So fly racing, obviously a very, very large part of, of seat time and our lives, which has been a fantastic experience. Love those guys. So please check them out, flyracing.com, which you can order, which will be shipped to you locally. Or you can just go to your shop and check out what they've got going on. Of course, Kinda Tire USA. You can learn more about those guys at kindatire.com. We will be at the Kinda Tennessee Knockout coming up this August. So if you have any questions, want to see some tires, let us know. We can get in touch with Mike Tosh, who is our rep there, and we can see about making that work out. I know he will be there with a bunch of tires. Looking forward to kind of seeing the the all the hybrid tires in production. I saw a yeah. lot of the hybrid yeah. tires last year as they were well, prototyped. 
You so, so, yeah, it'll be cool to see him in, in the production model and see what's going on there. And, of course, Stillwell Performance. Um, it has been extremely wet. It has finally started to dry off uh, in the near future. I will be able to ride my motorcycle. We can only hope. Um, and I will finally be able to test out that 4CS suspension on my 350 that Stillwell Performance did put together for me. I look very much forward to that. Until you guys get to hear from me on that, definitely go check it out, though, stillwellperformance.com. Uh, reach out to them. Ask all your questions. They have rider surveys. If you're looking at getting your suspension done, they'll give you a call and make it very personal, and you'll enjoy the experience. I promise. So thank you very much for tuning in. This and don't forget your homework. Don't forget your homework. What are the valves? Desmodromic valves. Desmodromic valves. Desmo for short. That's what the scientist was supposed to know. So let's see. He may text me after this show and let us know. All right. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We'll be at X Games this weekend. So if you see me, please say hi. We'll take some pictures and have a good time. Till then, peace.